0: anything's possible though because you know bitcoin is money so you know money talk man welcome to the bitcoin podcast powered by coin telegraph what began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem as citizens of the internet we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters.
1: everybody, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 121. I'm your first host, Macho,
2: And I'm host number two, D!
1: And Corey. Yeah, down. how do you follow that? <laughs>
3: that's, yeah, not, that's how we're building the show. I'm not even trying to follow that. It's and Corey. Uh, I thought you were going to go with the hairband scream as well. No, can't
1: do it. I'm not going to do that today.
2: Sometimes. Sometimes I just feel like doing a hairband scream.
1: We should do a music video where we're, like, in a in a factory and there's sparks for some reason. And we're just jock-rocking. As, as, right? as long as we're
3: dancing in an old factory, I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Did you say jock-rocking? Jock-rock.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're jock-rocking. I don't even know what that means. Exactly. But first we need means. to find an old factory. I'm pretty Come sure up. there's got to be one in Detroit.
3: Yeah, we'll go to Detroit. I'm Excuse me, Detroit. We're
2: looking for an old factory. Preferably one with sparks included.
1: Detroit.
2: We've got some jock rocking to do. Anyways, tell, tell the people what they need to hear.
1: Oh, well they, they need to hear about uh, EscortMyBits.com. Dot com. It's oh. super duper easy. and it, it only takes three steps. All you have to do. If you choose the service, is register and deposit your Bitcoin, then the seller, the seller will ship the item. You will check the goods and release the funds. It's super fast and easy, and they even offer you uh, the ability to split the fee with the other party. Um, and they also offer Bitcoin extra with a locked exchange rate. So if you're thinking, man, I don't think they've thought of everything, they've totally thought of everything. So Xcode Bits was personally created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. And their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. So Corey, D, and I, we want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use escrow. That's why we tell you every single episode to use that service. So start that escrow process. Go to their website. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter and stay up to Diz8, where you can uh, escrow your shit with escrow my bits. Mm, that. Uh, uh, Alright, uh, what are we talking about today, boys? Well, there's many th- things we could. Think I
3: about. think so. This interview is super duper long. We should probably just cut the interview and then have a conversation about really important stuff that
1: you yeah, should stick say, around for is, after. You, you will like that we talked about Roger Ver. Yeah, we do talk. He about, about that. We in a do. good
2: way or a bad way, in a way that's gonna get us called out by
3: fans, no, I don't think so We're not actually listeners. Like, i that guy didn't I don't know like i I watched the video that he sent me and it didn't change my mind about any things that I said about Roger ver veer fair I don't know how to say <laughs> his last name um veer, and I'm still pretty much on the same train I was beforehand, uh yeah. 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 I'm I'm, I'm, hope, I'm happy to have people call me out if yeah, I'm wrong, sure whatever, I don't care. Uh like if you if you t- if I'm wrong about something, I want somebody to tell me that I'm wrong about something, but they need to mm-hmm. tell me why I'm wrong and give me a good source to show me how to correct myself. Because in the, in in the face of Uncontrovertible evidence, I'm going to change my mind because I'm a scientist. But if you don't do that, then you're wasting your time telling me I'm wrong.
2: Pretty much.
1: So they go to toe
2: I just kind of spoke my mind about Roger Ver. I think he's doing Bitcoin a disservice. You want to go into deets? Hop in the Slack and call me out. We can go into the deets of my opinion. One, it's just an opinion of some random guy that has a podcast. But the I think he's doing Bitcoin. Bitcoin Yeah. podcast. Deets. It's important that that T-H-E is up in front of there, right? <laughs> Yeah, you,
3: you know, the Bitcoin podcast, no one else. And
2: I've asked Roger Ver multiple times to come on the show so we could discuss his opinions and why he feels he's not doing Bitcoin a disservice. Um, but he keeps he keeps juking me like a early 90s Barry Sanders. I and just I just can't grab his jersey.
3: I just don't so, really want to do that. Well, I want to do it. Sure, I will. But I just it's. You know, it's, so, it's the same. It's the same reasoning behind what I said earlier. It's he's not someone that's willing to to listen to logical arguments because the majority of what he's doing is based in ideology. Well, that's so,
2: why I feel like our listeners deserve to hear us
3: true. rationally
2: I'll, I'll present arguments to him, and then him trump out on us, and then we can call him out on that. Like, cool. I, I, if you're listening that. to this right now, tweet him and say, "Hey, you should go on the Bitcoin podcast again." Um this time act like you want to be there.
3: I wanna and wanna you should to talk with those again. guys. I haven't heard that. You
2: oh know. yeah, you want to listen to the interview where it sounds like we were really excited to have him on the show and he was like maybe eating yogurt, like just chilling. <laughs> like I remember it. I was pretty pumped about that. Anyways. Hey, what, what
1: what's worse? Uh Bo Jackson and Tech Mobile or Randy Moss and NFL two K? Mm. I don't remember those.
2: I'd say Randy Moss in NFL 2K. He was that's unstoppable. How, that's how Roger is treating you right now?
3: Yeah. <laughs> spin move, spin move, spin move.
2: Pretty much. Like, I'm per- picking the perfect defense. I'm going to bracket him up top, bracket him down low. Oh, double coverage. Oh, he, all he has to do is say hut and push the button, and he's going to jump over all three of my defenders. That's cool. All right. Anyways, for you guys that don't know
3: Football Talk, let's get into this interview. Tone Vase. I don't what know if it's Tone name, Vase. I don't know if it's Vase or Vase, but it's spelled V A Y S, and it's a pretty cool name. Yeah, man,
2: that name is destined for great things. Whenever That's I it. see it, I'm like, oh my goodness.
3: This is a fun interview for me because I got to kind of like be challenged. We we have disagreements on a on a, on a few on a few things as to like what the purpose of the Bitcoin network is. He sees it from a very financial perspective and the reasoning behind like what Bitcoin is good for or why it's made Uh, Mm -hmm. like I don't feel the same way he does and it's nice to get a differing opinion and us to talk about like to challenge each other on our own perspectives so fun interview right. so
2: without further ado we've got Tony Tony Tone Vase
1: here uh, hey everybody, it's Corey and Marcello. We are conducting a really cool interview with uh, Mr. Tone Vase, who uh, I think he has a lot to say. He's in the news a lot, and uh, you know, we got some one-on-one time with him. Um, where to start, though? That's the tricky problem. Uh, let's 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 address the elephant in the room over the last couple of days. Um, you know. We, we got your approval to talk about it, but I think people are overreacting with this whole drug prohibition thing, and I didn't know if you wanted to take a couple of minutes to kind of clear the air about um, the at the Bitcoin Philly meetup. Uh, personally, I think a lot of people are overreacting, but I'll, I'll kind of let you kind of tell people what it was and, and kind of, I guess, the outcry and the outpour of, of what happened. Sure. Um... I mean, I've
4: said this a couple of times. Uh, Other people are recognizing it as well. Basically, uh, Bitcoin was designed as... uh, Because our cash system was failing us, right? So Bitcoin was kind of designed... Came out at a perfect time right after the financial crisis. And to me, Bitcoin is a way to send censorship-resistant payments. Uh, This is also where I get into these arguments with Roger Veer as to what Bitcoin is good for. Like, I like the fact that Bitcoin exists. And I also understand why Bitcoin exists, because if there were no money laundering laws, if the KYC laws were significantly less restrictive, there would not be a need for Bitcoin. Like like nobody really wants to use Bitcoin. They would love to use the U.S. dollar for anything they want to buy, you know, illicit or non-illicit. But uh, using U.S. dollars for certain things is, you know, tricky. And... uh, like you can't buy certain things with credit cards. So you resort to Bitcoin. So what a lot of us are realizing is, well, wait a minute. Bitcoins, If Bitcoin's best use case is censorship-resistant payments, if censorship goes away, what what's Bitcoin good for? Like, yeah, it might still be a good store of value, but gold has then hasn't really proven to be a great store of value uh, up to this point hasn't really gone up like a lot of the gold bugs expected it to so um uh bitcoin's biggest utility of being censorship resistant is useless if there is no censorship resistant that it's needed for so i made a couple of comments at the bitcoin meetup where well because i hold uh you know a significant amount of percentage of my savings in bitcoin um my you know my freedom my, my my freedom speeches from earlier like oh we need to eliminate drugs we need to you know allow prostitution we need to allow gambling we need to remove all of these laws on voluntary contracts which I still believe that the society should do that but my financial position is aligned the other way like if drugs are all legal and prostitution is legal and gambling is legal and you know taxes are lowered as much as possible Bitcoin's useless at this point, and there goes my, you know, retirement position. So I just acknowledge the fact that uh, my financial interests are misaligned. And the reason they're misaligned is because I don't believe the government is going to legalize all these things. Uh, I think they're going to double down. And because the government's going to double down, um, you know, my financial position is tied to uh, the opposite of that, to allow people to do these things with Bitcoin. Um, so that that, that that's kind of it. It's no different. Like I tell people, like I can't believe I was like this big gold bug before. Uh, but people that are gold bugs, and they're buying up all this gold because they keep expecting, you know, a stock market crash and the U.S. economy to collapse. And you can pose the same question to them. Well, if you have bought all this gold. And because you're expecting a complete collapse of the U.S. economy, that means you want the collapse of the U.S. economy so that your gold position makes you rich. So you want every member of your family to lose their job, you know, everyone around you to like be in financial hardship so that your gold position makes you a lot of money. Uh, and they don't realize it, and uh, but I do, and uh, I just made a point of it at the end of my presentation. And it's also like you do like a one-hour presentation, and then you say like one minor thing in the middle of it, and then <laughs> everyone <laughs> picks on that little thing, forgetting you know the other 58 minutes of the presentation.
3: Uh, I, I call it recreational outrage. People just need something to latch onto to be mad about, and I think what sums up um, this this kind of weird position you find yourself in when you're when your financial incentives are misaligned with your social incentives is um, what is that that uh, stock or the housing market crash movie that recently was uh, oh, a big short the big short kind of right gives you a really good illustration of of what exactly this is all of the people who invested in the stock in the uh, housing market crash celebrating when millions and millions and millions of people lost their lost their complete wealth and they're just celebrating the fact that they were right and they have a lot of right. money but they're still living in a world where they like, they don't want these people to suffer but it's an inevitability of like of the way you see things going and to right. understand exactly. that these two things exist at the same time is not being ignorant and at least seeing you know what what's what's real
4: right and, 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 and again it's it's weird right so they blame half of the financial institutions that profited from it, and they also blamed the other half of the financial institutions that went bankrupt and uh, people lost their jobs. And I was at Bear Stearns during the collapse. That was a company that went under.
3: Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, it, I I'm not terribly, like, how do you feel about the idea? Because Bitcoin wasn't, in my opinion, necessarily built for the reason of censorship payments. It was. It was built to solve the idea of changing or creating digital scarcity for the first time, or, or enabling digital payments on the internet without a, without a trusted third party. Like you don't trust a particular business or a corporation or a centralized service. You trust a decentralized software or protocol to do a payment, to do a, a transfer of value. And that was the first time you could do that on the internet. And there's plenty of use cases with that being the reason If you don't make censorship, the foundational part of it,
4: I believe censorship resistance was the foundation. I mean, the fact that it's like finite, that's just, you know, a property that, you know, he chose Uh, Satoshi chose that. Um, I think Bitcoin would just as well if it had, you know, 2% a year inflation forever. Um, I, I, I don't think, um, and we may find out in the future, that um, having a 21 million cap may not be the best thing for an economy. Uh, the U.S. Uh, again, I don't, I may not agree, but um, the U.S. has had realized in the early 1900s that perhaps uh, using gold as the foundation and not being able to inflate the currency was what was holding back. Uh, the US economy and they created this 2% of year inflation. Now, I'm not saying that was right or not, but we don't know like and uh, look at all the innovation in technology in the last hundred years and we've done it under an inflationary currency. So um, it no one knows um, if we would be better off today if the Federal Reserve was never created or you know, would cars have never taken off because people weren't, because banks weren't able to hypothecate money and give out these loans so that economies go boom and bust? We have no idea. No, if uh, having a finite supply is going to be good or bad economically in the long term for Bitcoin. But what we do know is that for the first time in human history, perhaps, uh, we now have an asset that is worth value. Uh, that no one can take away from us like no one can confiscate your bitcoin if you handle it right that's never happened before like even a person's body can be confiscated by those with guns so uh, i think this property of uh having like property rights of value and being able to send it peer to peer without a middleman uh and the middleman has the ability to censor i think that is the biggest problem uh, middlemen aren't bad. It's when middlemen start, you know, telling you what to do uh, with with whatever message you're sending. That's the problem. So I actually do believe that censorship resistance was the primary goal.
3: You find it <clears throat> somewhat ironic that as we deal with the scaling, which we'll probably get into later, as to like proper ways to to scale the network. But like currently, the the what's what's happening now is that. In order to scale the network, we have to take transactions transactions off the chain. And there's essentially two ways of doing that. You can do it through a service like Coinbase, which essentially has an f- open ledger, a free ledger, which allows users to transact Bitcoin, quote unquote Bitcoin, within their service for free. And when they take it out of the service, they then pay, the, they then pay on-chain fees. Or you have layer two solutions like what would be the Lightning Network that does it on a protocol layer that just minimizes fees, but doesn't require the trust in the service. But that can't be done unless the protocol of the Bitcoin blockchain changes, which doesn't seem to be happening. Like it's, we're going back to a centralized censored model from something that you believe started out to be for the whole, the whole point of it, censorless.
4: Okay. You want me to comment on those?
3: Oh, sure, please. This is a conversation. Have at it.
4: Right. Um, uh, Okay, so I agree, right? Um, Like right now, Coinbase is not a censorship-resistant value transfer. Coinbase is a middleman on top of the Bitcoin blockchain that removes the censorship-resistant resistance aspect, right? Because if you're paying uh, another person through a Coinbase channel, they can, you know, reject your transaction. And they've done that to a lot of people by, you know, telling them to take their
3: business elsewhere. Don't use gambling Um, sites, for instance.
4: Correct. Right. Exactly. And you have to watch, you know, if you're going to send money, if you're going to send Bitcoin into Coinbase, you now have to pay attention where it came from, uh, things like that. Right. Uh, And uh, we do need SegWit, right? Like if we can get SegWit, because SegWit fixes transaction malleability. It's not the only thing that SegWit fixes, but it's one of the things segwit fixes transaction can we, malleability
3: can, I, can we stop and address that really quickly i want I, I would sure. like to, for, to to reiterate that the the purpose the initial purpose of segwit was for fixing transaction malleability it's just over Correct. time it ended up having these ancillary benefits to the network and now it's being purported as the scaling solution based on you know quote-unquote core which isn't necessarily true. It's a it's a it's a prerequisite for other scaling solutions. It just happens to have well, it, a bit of scaling. No, it's
4: both. No, no, it's both. There's there's a scaling solution built into Segwit that you know fits for a maximum up to four megabytes worth of data into a one megabyte block. The way it just you know restructures
3: the data. Quote unquote. I mean, it, it just reorganizes right. things so that it's 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 tidy, and then takes out the. the actual correct chunk of data right. that was that was the largest part.
4: Right. So so that um, I mean I, I don't believe I, I don't remember the exact details, but like the original point of SegWit was really was mostly to fix transaction malleability, but everyone wanted, you know, scaling solutions. So scaling solutions got added right into SegWit. And the moment SegWit activates, uh, latest research is showing that it instantly creates Uh, the equivalent of a 2-megabyte block. And if everyone switches to SegWit then after, it can create a maximum of a 4-megabyte block Um, while while not having to hard fork to do it. So um, SegWit is adding um, on-chain scaling. Now, will that be enough? Will 4 megabytes of data in this 1-megabyte block, would it be enough uh, to handle on-chain as these second layer solutions like lightning come in on top of it. Well, we don't know yet. Uh, we will need to give it time and find out. And uh but uh, if transaction malleability is fixed, you can now build the second layer solutions similar to coinbase only these would be censorship resistant because those would be uh they wouldn't need a trusted middleman. And until transaction malleability is fixed, they are very, very difficult to do. Uh, They're still doable, but they're difficult to do to the point where no one is really attempting to create a payment channel on top of Bitcoin um, while transaction malleability is a bug because, you know, they don't want to waste like a year or two of programming effort solving something that they know is a bug that, that that will eventually be
3: fixed. So there is why one, is there is, is one, gonna... one company trying to do it, and that's the yours, yours network. They've built oh, they a are? series of, a series of, I guess they, they consider them smart contracts on top of the Bitcoin network that doesn't require SegWit to work. And they've been doing right. it for a long time, which is a testament to one, the difficulty, and two, the potential not payoff if SegWit goes through.
4: Right, exactly. So not many, not many want to do it, right? So everyone is kind of like delaying, um, but instead. The developers are working on Lightning Network now because you can test Lightning Network in Bitcoin testnet that has SegWit. And this is another reason why a lot of the core developers would like to see SegWit get activated on Litecoin because then people can play around. I mean, like, I don't don't believe transaction malleability needs to be fixed on Litecoin. But um, Litecoin people aren't, again, like there's not enough motivation to create something like Lightning on Litecoin, but if the Bitcoin core developers are have already built out the code for Lightning, well, it's great if Litecoin can adopt SegWit just so you can play around with those Lightning channels mm-hmm. on top of Litecoin to see, you know, is it stable? Is it working? Is it a good thing? Is it a, you know, are there problems? And uh, so that's kind of my view on it. So if you really want cheap, fast. Uh, private payments on top of the protocol, you should want SegWit because then it brings about Lightning. Now, we can then get into a discussion, well, if everyone is using Lightning in the future, will there be enough mining reward for the miners
3: on chain? Yes, absolutely. Okay. so It's a function of a few things. It's a function of, one, If you have a scaling solution, then you need the number of transactions that take advantage of that solution to offset the number of transactions transactions you're taking out of the initial blockchain. So if say, for instance, the lightning network goes through and is working, then we need to, the number of transactions that would be placed on the regular blockchain that go to lightning network need to be vastly more.
4: Right. But but then wouldn't a smaller block help that? Right. Again, this is the argument I don't understand from the Bitcoin unlimited big blockers. Right. So they're complaining that uh, transactions are too high and miners are making too much money in transaction fees. But if Lightning Network is a viable option, then miners won't make enough money in transaction fees. Right. So it's, it's like this circular argument. So then you go to them and say. Okay, so you're going to have, you know, your team with a president and a secretary and everybody else. And are you going to be the the Federal Reserve of the future, like meeting every six weeks and deciding what the right mining reward is, right? Because right now you're saying it's too big and now and then you're saying the future is too small. So how do you so you're saying that, you know, best. Uh, It's just weird. Like, I don't understand. Like I don't oh. understand how you can complain that it's too big and it's going to be too small.
3: In any same and time. you had with with, with Roger Veer, he mentioned it, like I think you asked him. Maybe it wasn't no, it wasn't him. It was with um, Johnny from Blockstream. He asked if he believed in um, a healthy fee market, which is essentially what you get when you have a backlog of transactions on the actual blockchain. Is people you know essentially um, increasing the fee in order to Prioritize their transactions, saying it's worth more in order to be included into a block faster, which creates a market of how much it's worth to be put into the foundational layer of the blockchain. And he and Roger Ver says no, so he essentially believes that we should be able to try and fit unlimited amounts of essentially free transactions on the blockchain, which
4: but that's not can't possible. ever happen.
3: You have unbounded right. demand for free transactions and. If you're not paying for the security that the blockchain offers, then what do you like, then the miners aren't properly incentivized to use that much computation to verify almost nothing. Right, And, and, and there are so many other problems,
4: like miners would then be incentivized to create as big of a block as possible, especially if these miners are in China, because they would get, you know, a leg up in finding the following block while the rest of the world validates what they found. And the bigger that block is, the harder it is for the rest of the world to validate that block. That's one problem. The other problem is the size of the blockchain. Um, I mean, I'm I'm, cre- I'm creating my SegWit full node now to support the network. Been downloading this thing for like two or three days now. Um, and uh, it's almost done. I, I'm on, uh, I think I have like one year to go of data to download. <laughs> it's 100. It's 110 gigs. Yeah. What do you think happens if you increase that? By the way, Ethereum blockchain is now bigger than the Bitcoin blockchain. No, and Ethereum only blockchain started is only like 20 two. gigs. No, it's not. It's, it's past Bitcoin now.
3: Yes, it is. Check, check it out. I have. Google I have a uh, I have a full node running in my in my office. It's around twenty gigs.
4: What do you mean? I I already seen like messages like people are tweeting it out. The Ethereum blockchain has a uh, the the total cumulative size of the Ethereum blockchain is now bigger than Bitcoin's.
3: I are you sure yours is isn't pruned? I'll have to check again, but I'm pretty sure it's not.
4: Double double check on that.
3: Um, go, it's in my I've office. Never... I'll have to check tomorrow. But if that's the yeah. case, it's it's is that a testament to people using it more? I mean, I I feel like. Hundreds of gigabytes isn't that big of a deal in the as technology scales. Currently, that may be a giant percentage of people's spare spare room.
4: Uh, Okay, well, that's part of the scaling
3: solution of of what like currently no network scales properly to a worldwide global platform.
4: It's it's a little bit of a big deal to the average person, right? You're right. It's not a big deal to a company. It's not a big deal to Roger Veer.
3: But it's a big deal a big me, de- But I'm also a tech may- person. I'm a, I'm, You're I'm a tech I'm person, quote unquote right? nerd.
4: Right. But um, it's it's a little bit more of a big deal when uh, people are asking me um, how to how they can set up a full node instead of just you know going to bitcoin.org and reading very clear, simple instructions. Right? Mm-hmm. So so it's a big deal to some of those people. Um, and uh, exponential functions can really creep up on you. They can really creep up on you. Uh, but again, the, the, that's not the biggest problem, right? Like downloading 100, 100 gigs, that's not the biggest problem. Again, the biggest problem would be, you know, giving miners all this control to create, you know, their own block. And uh, I mean, the, the, people keep saying how my, mining is already centralized and miners have too much control, but you want to give them more control by allowing them to, you know, create blocks with no data in them and create blocks with infinite amount of data in them. Just whatever helps those miners continue to mine the following block.
3: Is there, is there, it opens up another variable in terms of how you can game theory the system, how you can try and manipulate the set of rules that are in place to make more money than what was intended by those rule sets. And is, is there like a certain way in which if Bitcoin unlimited went through that the miners just collude to decrease the size of the block because it increases fees. I mean, uh, it, 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 it effectively makes... Do, but
4: they've been doing that. I mean, Antpool has been doing it forever. They're still doing it. Just take a look at Whale Panda's tweets. I mean, just the other day, like even a few weeks ago, he's like, well, everyone else is mining uh, one megabyte blocks. Why is Antpool mining 750 uh thousand kill uh 750 kilobyte blocks instead of a full meg you know everybody i mean i can just send you the link hmm.
3: if you send it to us we can put it in the show notes chinese miners
4: they have no interest in mining a full block even though the you know supposedly the blocks are full
3: could that be that they're doing this this backwards um smallest transaction first prioritization and which, which, which transactions they include in the block in order to um, kind of decrease the mempool. There's a, there's a recent blog post by um, Dr. Goon um on this, on hackingdistributed.com, where he talks about, I guess, the, the attempt to try and reduce the mempool actually having a negative effect on um, the entire network system based on people trying to prioritize trying to get rid of all of the transactions by getting, taking the smallest transactions first and including as many of those as possible instead of prioritizing the largest fee per kilobyte transactions in the mempool and, and including those first. So it offsets the kind of ways wallets can guess on what's the correct fee uh, when submitting transactions as well as prioritizing the actual valuable transactions in the network and not spam.
4: Interesting. No, I haven't seen that article. Um, but yeah, no, I, I haven't seen that article. So it's hard for me to comment.
3: Yeah, that's it, it could be a potential like the block size being smaller also, could be an effect of that. But I I'll continue. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, but, but also the, the other day, like the entire mempool was cleared up completely. So what does that tell you? It, uh, it, it's not like everyone moved to an altcoin to do all their transactions. Uh, It literally means that we have way too much spam as it is right now. So I don't understand how anyone can complain about high fees when it's mostly spam. And um, if the the other thing is, like, you can send a low fee transaction, it will actually get cleared. The problem is transaction malleability doesn't allow you to transactions on top of transactions, right? Mm -hmm. So you just wait. And um, I'm sorry, like people complaining that, oh, the block time takes too long. I mean, I run a business and uh, it takes three to six months for a credit card transaction to settle. I have zero problem waiting a day or two for a Bitcoin transaction to settle if someone wants to send me some money with like the minimum possible fee.
3: Well, I guess it depends on whether or not you've received confirmation that someone is trying to send that money and you have to deal with the double spend problem. So, like, you're not 100% sure that person isn't going to resend that money if it's in the mempool and not um, included inside of a block. Dub- you broke up a little bit there, Tom. Can you repeat that? I'm
4: yeah, sorry. No, I was saying that, I mean, you should only worry about a double spend problem when the transaction is large enough to be worth double spending. And if a transaction is large enough to be worth double spending, then request someone, you know, dollar in for a fee. Like I don't expect like like I'm a content creator also, and people tip me like you know two bucks, three bucks, five bucks. I don't want them $0. fifty cents on a fee. If you're mm-hmm. gonna send me five dollars, you know, put a $0. two cent transaction fee. But if you're gonna send me a few hundred bucks, or pref or a few thousand bucks, and you don't put like a $0. fifty cent transaction fee, then then who's the idiot?
3: Well, that comes in. No, I'm of, sorry. That's like, uh, more use cases of what this technology offers. I mean, this is like just having people be able to donate you um, small amounts of money. Is that a use case for Bitcoin? Is that something that Bitcoin was created for? Because if this block scales to very large transactions, that's something that's not necessarily feasible anymore.
4: Well, on chain, perhaps not. Uh, Well, again, in the beginning, everything was a use case for Bitcoin because nobody was using it. So anything went right. So now is on-chain micropayments uh, a good idea? No, it's it's not a good idea right now because, you know, transaction fees are expensive and it kind of spams the network. Um, will we be at a point where on-chain uh, micropayments are possible? I'm not sure. It looks like that's not going to happen. Um, and that's not a problem for me at all because um, I, I don't want Bitcoin on chain to replace visa it's not visa is not a it's not the big problem i i want it to stay as censorship resistant as possible and it's the bigger transactions that are important not the small ones and i know this is where you know people attack me and like oh you don't want the entire continent of africa to use bitcoin and i'm like no that that's not true um they will be able to use it with a second layer that makes it even faster and cheaper, but no, they may uh, doing it on chain um, can hurt the most important property, which is censorship resistance. Because, like, look, right, this fight has now almost created two bitcoins killing
1: everything. Yeah, Tell so you what, anything what, what, to what add are this? they
4: really fighting? For?
1: yeah i want to know if if the scaling debates you have between you and ver if you feel that they're progressive or do you feel like at the end it's just i, I think most people concluded that the argument was won by those who are shouting the loudest do you feel like you know you're going to do another one with them did you feel like it was a wasted effort you know what are your thoughts
4: uh, i i don't feel it was a waste of effort because i was actually debating him but i'm getting tired of you know i i, I don't listen to that side anymore when you have someone just asking him questions and not challenging. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of that. Um, like, everyone's heard what, uh, what that side has to say. So unless it's an actual, you know, challenge. And um, I, I wouldn't do another debate. Uh, I, I wasn't even qualified to do that debate, right? It, it, it's like uh, I'm telling someone that, well, no, I'm not an expert uh, at everything. I'm a, I know what I know. And what I don't know, I trust the experts and everyone sees that as obedience to authority.
3: That here's a problem I have with that. Uh, not, not with your position with the, the, the other side's position of, well, I am an authority and you're appealing to like, or I, I I am knowledgeable to have this debate when they're not, I feel like there's a lot of people claiming to be technical when they're not. And from the, from an onlookers perspective, who isn't, I guess. Specialized or uh, like understands the nuances of these arguments. They see the other person as winning because they're just willing to say some, say that they're an expert, right? And it pushes the conversation in a in a very ignorant way. Like nothing gets done, and you only sp- like you spread more you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Or no, I, I I agree. I agree.
4: And that's the thing. I have a I have a master's degree in engineering. I, I'm just not a very good engineer I, I, I admit it i'm sorry this is why i don't program because i know i'm not good at it okay but I, I have programmed in the past and um i've had situations where i like debated over steam it with someone and um the question came up is steam it a blockchain or not and i said well neither one of us is actually technologically capable of answering the question and the other guy who probably has no engineering experience at all he got so furious, uh, and his answer was, "Well, I have an engineering mind, and that's why I know
3: it's a blockchain." Well, like, how do you that? Do that you should be enough it? to discredit somebody. It, it's that <laughs> uh, it, that that alone. That statement alone says you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I have a PhD in physics. Does that mean that I understand everything about distributed computing? No, absolutely not. If anything, it tells me. How much I don't know about this space
1: but it, if it makes you feel any better I think we we invited Roger Ver on the show to challenge him uh, to which he didn't respond so
3: <laughs>
1: well that might I'm, be his stance on that
3: I don't know it's it's a, it's it's a it's a it's a lose-lose argument but it's hard for me to see a strong future if we can't pass something that shouldn't even be argued about because mean well. we, we create this political cloud around it
4: Hey, well, if we can't pass SegWit, then status quo it is, and you know maybe yours network will build something that everyone else can utilize, right? I mean, they're, they're, I, so I'm okay with status quo. That's what I try to explain to people. SegWit will make things so much better. I think. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an engineer, <laughs> but you know, a, a hundred a, a, des- a decentralized team of a hundred plus smart engineers are very convinced that segwit is a great solution so i trust them and um, i expect segwit to be a great solution but if if you know if our world doesn't want segwit then status quo it will be and we can work with that it's okay and uh yeah on chain transactions will get to 20 bucks and 30 bucks and higher uh no then it is what it is and uh if you wanted cheap, fast transactions, you should have activated SegWit. And you'll always have a chance to activate SegWit. It's not going anywhere. Um, and now we're talking about a user-activated soft fork, which is why I'm setting up my node so I can you know, uh, have a vote in this race. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm pretty confident SegWit would get in. Uh, I, I still take the view that miners are uh, voting for whatever side keeps the status quo because they're enjoying the nice fat fees. But sooner or later, that's going to end.
3: Well, you you limit, I think it's shooting yourself in the foot because you ultimately limit the number of people who can use the network. Is, do you have a feel like, I've, had, I've seen an argument from the other side that essentially says that user-activated soft forks are essentially hard forks uh, or contentious hard forks. Do you have anything that, that kind of puts that to shame or, or do, you, do you feel anything about that?
4: Um, I don't think it's a contentious hard fork. Uh, I mean, you don't have to upgrade, you can stay on the old code, you can you don't have to use Segwit. Um, you can you can stay on the old code, or you can, you know, start your own chain that's incompatible, which is what Bitcoin Unlimited is.
3: Um, those, know, who aren't, backward- those who aren't aware, can you explain what a user activated software is?
4: So um, right now, uh, what uh, the core developers did was um, be probably under the assumption that a lot of users are lazier than the miners as far as keeping up with, you know, what's in the code, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, if you're a developer, you're going to pay a little more attention to your Microsoft Windows updates than if you're just a user Mm -hmm. because users don't know as much. So they went with the idea that, well, miners really pay attention to what's in the code. So as long as 95% of all the miners, which is a smaller pool of nodes, uh, uh, because anyone can be a node, you can be a user, you can be a miner, you can't have a node. But if you're a miner, you have a node. Um, so they, they figured that, well, if um, 95% of miners are supporting this, That would be an ideal path that means it's a good, the code is good. Uh, Miners are being a little reluctant. So the next path that they've decided was well, if we can get, I don't know what the percentage would be, uh, I'm guessing maybe 85, maybe 90, right? Well, if we can get 80 or 90% of users to say that they want this code change. Then the miners will have to follow the users, because if the miners are mining something that the users aren't accepting, then where the hell are they gonna sell those bitcoins that they're mining? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, but, but I think the reason why it wasn't a user the users to begin with was because users are generally, you know, they don't pay attention to the details as much as someone that's actually using that software to profit from.
3: In the uh, end, but be, a user shouldn't have to care.
4: Exactly. But because of this debate, um, it's very clear that the majority of users, way more users by percentage, are supporting segregated witness than minors are. So uh, now the view is, well, it, it's clear that the users are paying attention And if users want X, then they should get X. And the miners will need to, you know, get in line. And uh, this would be bad for the miners. If the users force something onto the miners, it'll probably prove to the world forever that the miners aren't in control, which has been a big fear before this debate that mining is centralized and, you know, mining is in control. And if a user activated soft fork, gets segwayed into the system that that, I think that's an enormous confidence boost um, to the world saying that, well, no, well, mining can or can be centralized. That's fine. But they're clearly not in control. So even though mining is centralized and miners decide to create more than 21 million Bitcoin, users are in control. Those Bitcoin aren't good. They're not going to be able to do it, even if it's centralized. Uh, So I think there's a lot of good there. Now there is some bad there. The threshold uh, for a user-activated software needs to be fairly high. You don't want like a 51 or a 52 mm-hmm. percent, because then it becomes you know like the election for president. You know it's like just a handful of votes. Yeah. So uh, you don't want to get into a situation where it's so political, and then every election and every change, it's like you know 51 versus 49 wins. That's not good. You really want to be not even a supermajority, right? Like according to the US government, 60% is a supermajority to get almost anything done. In Bitcoin, that is not nearly enough. Then you face um, the
3: problem of apathy. There's a lot of people who right. just aren't going to signal, which makes it a significant it, portion.
4: Well, that too, and also, you know, it, it creates a, a propaganda that can sway your vote. So you really, really need a large percentage, like 80 plus, preferably 90, in order to, you know, be sure that um, 90% of the people aren't being fooled. Like, you can fool 51% of the people. It's a lot harder to fool
3: 90%. So this takes me on to, I guess, the next, I guess, short topic we can maybe get into. And it's something that I think we might disagree upon. If nothing happens and we stay on status quo for Bitcoin, I feel like people will take their money out and leave, at least for the use cases that Bitcoin no longer supports like if you know cheap transactions cheap and fast transactions uh if bitcoin stays the same but the the number of people get into it the usability of bitcoin decreases because things get slower and transactions get more expensive i feel well, like I, people will take their money elsewhere and that's a that's I, a potentially I, good thing i disagree with that uh Why? well
4: it's a potentially good thing if you're holding altcoins
3: uh cool. i i i like the idea of the use cases still being there. You can still do everything that you want to do. And Ethereum oh, you my, with but, Bitcoin. But, it's just not use, worth as much as a token.
4: But my use cases are... My primary use cases for Bitcoin are different than yours,
3: uh, obviously, in this well, case, right? In that case, what if, say, for instance, Ethereum ac- implements zero-knowledge proofs and you actually have fully... Private transactions, it, but it,
4: it but it doesn't matter. Ethereum has already proven that their their blockchain will fork, and it will fork again. Ethereum also has a leader, Vitalik. So, like if Vitalik gets arrested tomorrow, what happens to the confidence in the price of Ethereum, right? If Vitalik collapses because he's looks like he's down down to fifty pounds, uh, and if, you know if he's in the hospital for the next eight months, what happens to Ethereum, right? Uh, now you can say there are plenty of other good developers, but what if Vitalik just quits, right? Um, again, uh, the, the problem is uh, confidence in that system. So if nothing happens to Bitcoin, right now the fear in Bitcoin is that there'll be two Bitcoin. Um, if it's status quo, and people you know move their coffee transactions off Bitcoin, fine. But the, the boost in confidence Of the fact that nothing that the code cannot be changed is actually going to go a long way like confidence that you can't make a change is just as big as either side winning and um, I'm okay with like I said I'm okay with expensive transactions I'm okay with slow transactions because Bitcoin allows you to do something nothing else does and you know this thing isn't going anywhere. Like the amount of nodes, like the amount of people willing to like hold, um, uh, like I'm building a node. This node isn't going anywhere. Like just the confidence of the people that are hard believers. Let me ask you another question about Ethereum. Um, when Ethereum goes hundred percent proof of stake, um, it's gonna. I know it's gonna split again. Um, That's something that I'm, you, I'm quite
3: curious about. Uh, so like as which side are you gonna be on? Like as a technologist, I'm very curious to see what happens. I like all of the projects being built on top of it, but I feel like throwing your whole load into Ethereum right now is preemptive because because these things are on the horizon and we don't know what the effect of them will be, right? There's no, there's no experience with proof of stake. I'm curious to see what it will be like during this transition and after the transition. And I'm going to be following it closely. And I'll, you know... Speculate accordingly. Well, well
4: you're speculating. You're speculating with the token, right? But you're a technologist. So if you were, if you were already building a company dependent on Ethereum, um, and the day comes when they announce, you know, on August first, we are going proof of stake, and another Orvico comes out and says, "I will lead the charge to split Ethereum." Again, where Vitalik can keep ETH, and we will have our own ticker, ETW, standing for Ethereum work.
3: I imagine that will probably happen.
4: Uh, right. I, I fully expect it to happen. And if your company depends on Ethereum, um, you can either double the amount of developers and now program your company on both sides and you know wait for one of them to win. Uh, and if they both win, did you just split your company to run on two chains? Or are you going to make a decision which way to go? I mean, I, I think, the and this is why I think anyone building anything on Ethereum today is crazy.
3: Anything I think they've done value. a pretty good job of dealing with social consensus, of finding, again, kind of where, the the obvious choice or obvious answer to that is where's the majority of other people going? You want to stay where everyone else is because the whole point of using Ethereum is that you can leverage everything else that's using Ethereum. Everything speaks the same language. And so you're kind of relegated to the social consensus of where people stay.
4: I agree. I well, That's fine. That, that makes sense, right? But you need to understand um,
3: that if you're building something on top of it.
4: Right. But it was easier to make that decision the first time around mm-hmm. because... Uh, Vitalik and most of the developers wanted to, you know, hard fork. If the next time around the talent pool is more even, see, right now the talent pool of programming between Core and Bitcoin Unlimited, I mean, it's not even close. No,
3: it's like not. The,
4: right, but if it, if something similar happens where the talent pool of developers of the actual protocol and blockchain is more evenly split, now what?
3: It's hard to say. You don't know. We're all living in an experiment. There's nothing saying... Go ahead, continue, sorry.
4: I'm sorry, no, I'm just saying, yeah, it's all fun and games until there's billions of dollars on the protocol, right? (laughs) Um, This is why this wouldn't have been a problem back in 2011, even for Bitcoin. Right, But now it's a big problem even for Ethereum uh, because now there's a lot of money on the line. And uh, in that situation, you can say, well, I'm going to wait and see where the majority is. But that means you might have to shut down your business for six months while you figure out which chain is the dominant one. And what if they're fairly even afterwards? Uh, Again, these are questions nobody knows the answers to. But to me, it feels like no one is even addressing that there are possibilities. Like, I was raising a huge alarm bell the moment I heard about the DAO, how the Ethereum is just going to be stolen. And everyone just made fun of me and told me to go read the white paper and how
3: it can't happen. No, that's uh, certainly certainly not true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's at the end of the day, (laughs) this technology (laughs) essentially allows people to communicate better and more efficiently over the Internet. And, and, and change value over the internet in a very decentralized censorship resistant way and but it's still very very young like what's what keeps Bitcoin propped up right now as the number one is basically its network effect in the current infrastructure that's been built right but that's all propped up by the confidence in how Bitcoin works and if you eroded mm-hmm. that that the throne of the the central cryptocurrency can be taken essentially by whoever feels whoever gains that but, confidence.
4: True. But, but like you mentioned earlier, many people think that status quo, um, you know, degrades that. And I'm saying status quo enhances that, uh, status quo enhances the fact that it it enhances its stability as a protocol that you can't make a change so easily. Mm-hmm. You can't just have one guy stand up and say, we're going to hard fork. Um, so to me, uh, status quo is a show of strength that your blockchain is actually immutable. Not only the transactions are immutable, but changes to the blockchain are immu- Are basically your blockchain is immutable. Campaign I changes. like to
3: say that like change the idea of like blockchains are immutable uh, to blockchains are tamper evident. And the larger the proof of work currently is the larger um, confidence you have that there's more tamper-proof or tamper-resistant. It, right, there's but, no such but, thing as but, tamper-proof. It's a matter of probabilistic change.
4: Like, that, that's true. And, 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 and notice how you use the words proof-of-work in your definition. So once Ethereum goes proof-of-stake, is it or is it not a blockchain?
3: Well, it's a blockchain. It's just the consensus layer is different. And we have no experience in how that works and how well it will work. Like a blockchain is a but, data I, structure. Built on I, know. I
4: I think we have plenty of experience with proof of stake. I think we've had proof of stake for thousands of years. I mean, you're the, the king of your country had the biggest stake and, you know, keeping everybody happy. then usually didn't do a good job. That's why he got over here. That's why he'd get overthrown. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, society isn't new to proof of stake systems. It's proof of work that's new and interesting.
3: For sure. I think Casper is doing a pretty good job of getting the incentives, at least attempting to get the incentives correctly, or they're at least trying to put a lot of effort into getting the incentives correctly for a potentially legitimate proof-of-stake system. And they're not going to switch over without testing it. But you run into the problem that all other altcoins have, which is that how can you test scaling problems when you don't have scale? Bitcoin is having these problems because it's big and because it has so many users that it's butting up against the one megabyte hard fork. You can't compare other systems that aren't big enough and say they deal with this type of stuff eloquently because they've never had to deal with this type of stuff eloquently.
4: I agree. All right. Um, You want to change gears? I wanted to comment on the – like back to the marijuana. We kind of started off with the the, the drug thing. We can uh, can um, talk
3: about that for a little bit. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, because I I listened to your earlier show when you guys were talking to someone that's building another token on top of Waves in order to get the marijuana industry involved. And um, I've spent, I've been to Denver once, there was an event going on there. And I was curious and I thought so too. Oh my God, it's so obvious. Uh, marijuana Marijuana dispensaries, they have problems banking. They have all this cash. So they're stuck with all of this cash in the marijuana industry, Bitcoin is perfect. They, they wouldn't have to buy, you know, buy these safes. They wouldn't have to, you know, guard the money. Uh, you know, you don't have to watch your employees pocketing the cash. So all these things, right? So it's like Bitcoin, greatest thing for the marijuana industry. And uh, I inquired, so why aren't all of these dispensaries and everyone in the cannabis business, why are they not using Bitcoin? And here's the realization. Um, you really only want to break one law at a time. Uh, this is why if you've had a few (laughs) drinks, the last thing you're going to do is speed. When, if you're going to get behind the wheel, uh, you're going to drive, you know, as carefully as possible. And that goes in general, right? Like, um, Al Capone didn't get arrested for, you know, alcohol. He got arrested for tax evasion. Um, you really want to break one law at a time and, All of these marijuana dispensaries understand that what they're doing may or may not be legal because it's legal on the state level but it's still illegal on the federal level so they know they're in this they're on the on the line they know they're on the line one day their foot is over the line one day their foot is on behind the line but if they add bitcoin to the mix you're now adding a second piece to your profitable operation that is also a gray line. So the last thing you want is to jeopardize your marijuana business uh, for the government to come in and bust you on using Bitcoin uh, in a way that the government doesn't like. And this goes back to that thing where you really want to only be breaking one law at a time. You don't want to be you know, breaking four laws because one of them is going to get you.
3: It's an interesting perspective that I think Um some may not have thought of uh, it may it, it, that's kind of the, the like maybe the problem that they have they they're not eligible for the banking services that everyone else in the country is eligible for. They're doing this kind of line walking where they're doing something that's legal by the state but the federal government doesn't necessarily like so they may have issues there. but they have to deal in cash and you can be damn sure that taxes, associated with that the way they do business probably aren't being properly uh, accounted for which could be another issue and how people like, they, they have they put they put themselves in a scenario where it's almost guaranteed to be incredibly difficult to run business but it's incredibly lucrative
4: well right of course because they're willing to take the risk to, to they're willing to take the risk to break federal law under the protection of the state law. And, and they're being compensated very well for taking on this risk. Now, those that add Bitcoin to the mix may be able to be compensated even more. You know, they may save a lot of money on compliance costs. They may do all this and that. So they may actually increase their revenue by adding Bitcoin to their business. But they're also going to add risk because now they have to because nobody knows if Bitcoin is or isn't legal. I mean, we don't know yet. It's so new.
3: There is no right? regulation for it. I mean, there's, there's, like, there's you know, ways to go about taking care of maybe possibly doing things correctly. There's no law associated Correct. with and, how you deal with Bitcoin.
4: And here's the other problem. Like, we know tax laws on cash. I mean, we, these laws have been around forever. Like, any you know, competent tax accountant can advise these marijuana industries on how to fully tax comply with their cash business because running a cash business is not illegal. But nobody knows when it comes to Bitcoin and they can get you on a technicality you may not be aware of. And don't forget, like you and I are Bitcoin experts, but the marijuana shop guy his expertise is growing and selling a plant. His expertise isn't Bitcoin. So the chances of him actually screwing up um, and be, you know, liable to the tax man for using Bitcoin incorrectly is incredibly high. It's even high for you and I. Yeah. And it's even higher
3: for him. Exponentially higher from with a, with a, such a large knowledge gap. Right.
4: Because that's not his expertise.
3: Nope. Well, it's a tough world we live in, Chela. Do you have any? Uh, you have anything else before we wrap this up? Chela kind of left us for a little bit. His internet got cut out. So anyway, yeah, man. sorry about
1: that. Uh, yeah, I just want to say um, thanks for rocking our merchandise, man. Thanks for repping our show. Appreciate it. Oh yeah, no problem. I'm actually like I didn't even know that Coin
4: had a podcast. I was, uh, I mean, I have articles on Coin I was probably one of the first fifteen. Ten to fifteen people that ever wrote articles for Coin Telegraph. I started there like three months after the company launched. Yeah, well,
3: honestly, we got a partnership with them. Go ahead, Chella.
1: Yeah, you know it's a partnership, but it's not. Ah, gotcha. It's not yeah, yeah. I, I don't need to say more. It's just more kind <laughs> got, of. A no, script. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. But yeah, i I'm, I know the fabric on the shirts. We, we didn't spare any expense, so we hope they're they're comfortable on you. Uh, it's cool. Yeah, it's a good shirt. Uh, I was
4: happy
3: happy to wear it
4: during the meetup. All
1: right. Well, uh, I think so. Yeah, but you, you,
4: you did you guys see the video from that meetup? I did. I'll uh, gotcha. to tweet it out. I had people like take pictures of like the entire atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I was going to tweet that out that was because I was at the Toronto meetup like a month ago and it was like 500 people for like a three hour event. And then <laughs> I'm at, uh, then I'm in, and it was like, you know, like a huge stage like, and like like sound guys, everything. And then I'm in Philly and this was the atmosphere and I was going to like, I had like zoomed out pictures and I was going to tweet that out. I was like, Philadelphia meetup 2012 or 2017?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Ken, uh, the guy who's responsible for it, was a fan of the show and he just decided he wanted to do a meetup. He didn't have one in Philly, so he started one and this has kind of been the, the slow iteration of, of it growing.
4: You'll get there. Like the Toronto one started with like five people, and now uh-huh. it's like four to five hundred every every time.
3: Yeah, he keeps getting bigger every one, and we're happy that he, he puts in the effort to keep doing them. And we thank you for for going and going to it and speaking.
4: All right, guys, you have any other questions for me?
3: I think that's uh, we've got about a 45, 50 minutes of of content here. We can probably wrap it up. <laughs> so, all
4: right, cool.
3: All right, Tone, thanks for coming uh, on. Uh, you, well, uh... th-
4: those that are looking for me, um, you can find me. I'm very active on Twitter as Tone Face. Uh, also, check out my blog, Liberty Life Trail, more like a re- website. I just have to put more content on it. Um, I also have multiple podcasts on my YouTube channel. You can just Google Toneface. I have an economic and trading podcast where I talk about the Bitcoin price with the live Q&A, along with other assets in the financial world. I have a podcast called Crypto Scam, which I really need to get back to. Uh, everyone really liked it. Mm-hmm. And also catch me on the World Crypto Network, where uh, I'm also on several podcasts there. The, the Bitcoin Group, where we talk about the latest news every Friday. And also just starting a new one called On the Record, where we get to you know interview some up-and-coming uh, CEOs and stuff with some seriously challenging questions. Not, not just going to let them speak and pitch. Uh, they're going to be challenged.
3: I like that. Sounds good. Uh, can you send us some links? We'll put those in the show notes so people can click on them without having to look them up. Excellent. We'll do. All right. Thanks, Tone. Appreciate you coming on.
4: Right. Nice. Thank you, guys.
2: And that was the interview with Tone Vase. Uh, we sincerely hope you enjoyed it. Sincerely. Um, yes, very sincere. Uh, the deepest, deepest depths. Of my heart. I hope you enjoyed hearing what you heard. So good job, Cello, Corey, knocking that one out of the ballpark.
1: So I think Corey knocked out of the ballpark. I just, I was just there. I was on the field. <laughs> <But> Cello, <laughs> Cello actually got his
3: internet cut out like halfway through it. And he was gone for like 10 minutes. And I'm not terribly sure Tone knew because <laughs> me, me and Tone were so. In, like involved with like going back and forth in, in this conversation, but
1: yeah, it was, it was a pretty fluid, organic conversation. And It was like you know when you're like you and your friend, like you're hanging out with your friend, and then he sees someone he knows, and then they start talking, and you like you don't you're just looking around like you don't know what to do while they're talking. That was me.
0: <laughs>
1: I did like your question though. I, you hopped in and got a
3: question, and that was uh, whether or not he feels that these these conversations with Roger are even worth it if they're doing any good at all. And although uh, you said yes, I feel like, I mean, they're doing good for the listeners. They give the listeners like a place to go to get information. Cause like, it's really hard to find information elsewhere. Like people who are writing things because they, most of the stuff that's written is either incredibly scoped in, in lens or bias. And, Or, or it's just, it's just wrong. Like it's, there's not enough to it, right? And yeah. if you, when you watch people debate or listen to people debate, you at least can agree with the logical arguments that they have and understand when people challenge them, whether or not it's like a sound argument or it's worth following or listening to. And at the end of it, hopefully you can leave with real information about what's going on and a better idea about like, the current state of things and i i, I hope that's what people got out of, at least our conversation and i get that out of like watching debates with other people <laughs> and i hope people get that from the bitcoin podcast yeah man i
2: hope we bring you guys the flavor that you need so what's big in, in crypto lately i think i think in general altcoins, so you can call them what i will actually start calling them is just digital assets or dassets uh, hell yeah. Is uh, they're all kind of doing pretty well when it comes to their price and their market cap. You know, we got Litecoin had its boost, little 70%, I think, a little, 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 boost up there. Um, and even Ripple, uh, did pretty well. You know, I don't too much like Ripple, I don't like what they're about. A lot of pre mine going on with the old Ripple network. So, and of course, Ethereum is still pretty stable. Like, was it it's sitting at fifty, almost fifty-two dollars USD, which was pretty great in comparison to where it was this time last year.
3: I like and, it's stable. Uh, like stable in our environment. It's like it didn't move in the past couple of days.
2: Yeah, it did move this week, <laughs> so it was great. Bitcoins like, back up to eleven hundred
3: dollars. Yeah,
2: Bitcoin's Ethereum creeping stayed, back up you
3: know, around the same, so it's stable right now. It doesn't mean anything in terms of what it'll be next week or the week after.
2: Yeah. Next week it'll be like, uh, well, at least we're not as bad as like the, I guess, mainstream news outlets like MSNBC and CNN Money where they'll be like, Bitcoin has crashed to oblivion. And like, we're just like, what? It went down a couple hundred bucks. It's not a big deal. But I guess that's a big deal for for a lot of people when it comes to ad- assets. So. My
3: mom, my mom was like, she sent, sending me text messages like, is everything okay? I was like, I thought she was worried about me, but she just kept asking about Bitcoin. <laughs> and she bought some Bitcoin <laughs> and she kept every now, every time she checked the price, it was like completely different than what it used to be. And she's like, what's going on? And I was like, that's, that's, that's old hat. The shit happens. Yep, wait, That's just Bitcoin. sit on it and just... wait. I told you, don't put money in there. You're not, you're not worried about that you're worried about. Because it's gonna move, and you could be twice as much or half as much next time you check. Don't know. See, but what I'm
2: discovering <laughs> is, is that's a hard thing to tell people, though, Corey, because everybody worries about where they put their money, and nobody really has a firm grasp grasp on that. Investors, like temperament, where it's like, what do you mean, put money somewhere? I'm not. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose any of my money. So why would I be like concerned well, about that?
3: Well, the thing but. is, is that if you watch. Bitcoin on a day-to-day basis it looks incredibly volatile they're gonna have a bad time if you I'd say almost any almost any point in history if you put some money in Bitcoin and then never looked at it again for that until the next year you were
1: happy Mm -hmm. can I I suggest something sure if I think you should go by Corey's advice and I think you should use a website called coinwink.com and uh, you can get specific alerts when the price goes above whatever you choose and when it goes below whatever you choose. And the good thing is, is it's open source, so the emails, they're not kept on the database. So you don't have to waste your time watching the price from day to day. You can rest assured and uh, use that website.
3: Where did you hear about that?
1: Uh, you know, just just through the peanut gallery. You know? It's a good hey, little I'm website. I'm looking at it right now. That is a pretty good little website.
3: Hey, CoinWink, send us some money.
1: We'll it's we'll kind of boost your shit. We'll boost your shit yep. all
3: day.
2: We'll ne- we're never gonna mention you again unless you sponsor. <laughs> 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 no, that's that's a nice find, man. I'm looking at it. That's a pretty good way to like put your mind at ease.
3: I got a question for you, Marcello. This is something that I'm curious yep. about. Like we we interview a lot of people, uh, and a lot of people like have very like varying degrees of front ends and user experiences. Like if you. In your mind, what's sexy? Like have we have we talked to people that have like a sexy user experience where you're like, oh man, I can use this or I can I can get with this.
1: No, because I think a lot of people share the ideology that you do where who cares what it looks like as long as it works? And I think that's we're in that stage of crypto where we're just trying to find things whoa, that work. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't feel that way.
3: I feel it's it's no, I it's, it's I'm very subtly different. There's no reason to think about what it looks like until it works.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess that's a subtle difference. Um, yeah. so I if guess it you're don't work. Say, like, who
3: cares what it looks like? That's pretty much yeah. what it, <laughs> it needs to work first, but I, th- I, I, I still what, feel that I... the work, like how it looks and how you use it is yeah. almost as important as how it works. It just I think had ShapeShift work first.
1: was a good job, and I was a big fan of yours before he he be stripped it bare, um, but nothing really stands out really on a, on a sexy level. What I'm about sorry. you guys? Anything comes to mind? I, I've I've it's been Bitcoin a big fan sexy. of the new framework, like
3: the, the new HTML5, JavaScript, like this this flat framework. You know, everything's reactive, everything's you know, cool. You get pop ups and shit. I like. Yeah. I like having a smooth intuitive user interface, and I think a few people get that right uh and it's it's based, it's mostly the ethereum space like because I think because of the developer tools almost give you boilerplates and toolkits that start off with that stuff but those people automatically learn mm-hmm. how to use those platforms or frameworks to build what they're trying to build yeah,
2: yeah. i I kind of like. Um when it comes to sexiness and Bitcoin, I I only look view it as like a long term savings account that's good for me now. Because Bitcoin this two year debate has really drained me, my like give a F, I, I should say. It's really drained me because to me, I'm not even a technical guy. I see an obvious route to take. You know, I don't even have to get into the details to look at the obvious decision, but you know, it's been this two year drain. So Bitcoin to me is very, is very unsexy. It's like when you've been in a very long-term relationship and just like, you don't even like sex has been out the window for a while. And like, you don't even want to bring it up. (laughs) The honeymoon phase is over. Yeah. The honeymoon phase is over. It's been like a good solid three weeks and you don't even realize it's like, dang, it's been three weeks since I like turned off the lights, but I don't know.
3: Maybe, so that's maybe I'm just, feels, but maybe I'm having an affair with an Ethereum, and that's why I'm so pumped and amped up right now.
2: That it could be it, man. Because I was just gonna say that, like Ethereum to me is very sexy now because it's, it's all the developers are going there. Uh, you even you got uh, the Brave, Brave Software releasing their new coin on the Ethereum network. That is it. You know, is it on the
3: Ethereum network? I didn't. See it see that? is
2: on the Ethereum network. I didn't see that. You didn't see that. It's on the Ethereum I'm network. That up right now um i hope i'm not wrong about that or else I feel they just like a douche, said the, the
3: attention sh- their their uh their attention asset i didn't see anything about ethereum and i looked for it
2: okay well i could be wrong there but uh, storage is moving to ethereum you know like i was I one i am really excited about storage i thought they're an genius. og
3: of the bitcoin yeah.
2: space.
3: Like, i keep saying yeah, that a and- lot but we're interviewing a lot of people who are like in the space in the beginning like they he he Mm -hmm. said this in an interview we did that they did their token their ico the same day that ethereum did theirs right so you gotta think of what was available in bitcoin to do something like decentralized storage at the time and how forward thinking they've been yep and how old i I was
2: really excited about storage uh tried to get sean on the show several times um and they moved to ethereum now just i feel like ethereum is doing the things bitcoin wanted to do but bitcoin is just moving too slow and you know we're we're seeing this like new robust um asset cryptocurrency i don't know what whatever you want to call it is happening it's exciting to be a part of just bitcoin's not no longer exciting me
3: i'll tell you one thing so, um some people feel that's a feature, not a bug. Like that's something that Tone talks about and in and, the and, and interview we just we just got with is the idea of like the fact that you can't change something gives it the robustness of like confidence that people can't change it very easily. Like it's very, very difficult to change, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's counterintuitive
2: it. though. It's it it's is. counterintuitive. But well Bitcoin is all let's face it though, Bitcoin's very existence is is counterintuitive. Like, when you say Bitcoin is a deflationary currency, people are like, deflation? I don't get it. And then once when you say that the that phrase and you see people's eyes glaze over, you also realize they don't even know what inflation really is. So then it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to open up that bag of worms.
3: That goes but, back to the idea of so like what you said earlier, right? So, like, shit, I lost my train of thought because I'm looking up this super brave stuff. Uh just continue. I'll, I'll find it later. <laughs> okay. I've lost it completely. Terrible. Um, Sounds like it's question. ad time. When you lose yeah, your let's... train of thought,
1: it's ad time. Yep. <laughs>
2: this, this lost train of thought is brought to you by... <laughs>
1: Athena Bitcoin. Thanks, Athena Bitcoin. The most trusted name in all of ATMs, or Bitcoin ATMs, should I say. Located in H-Town. Fort W D Town and Cedar Hill and other U.S. cities. Download the Athena Bitcoin Wallet on the App Store, Google Play, and for specific locations other than these Texas cities he that were so says, fond.
3: Of... He always says Texas cities every time, and, the, and other U.S. cities.
1: <laughs> well, on my script, all I all I, got, all I wrote was like Texas stuff because that's all that matters to me. But it, if you're not in Texas, that's not going to matter to you. So visit athenabitcoin.com and find out the locations near you, and you can be as excited as me. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, bitquick.co, the secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. Maybe they've improved since they've been our sponsor. Maybe you can get it as little as like two hours and 50 minutes now. Maybe. We'll see. Bitquick has been serving Bitcoiners since 2013, so... Over four years, they're trusted. So where there's a bank, there's BitQuick. No, I'm kidding.
2: Only one of our sponsors gets that treatment.
1: Well, they're co. Oh, .co. Yeah.
2: Anyways. <laughs> Corey, I hope you see that link I just sent you. Indeed, it is Ethereum, my friend.
3: At the, end of that, at the end of that, it says, Bitcoin is under some stress and Ethereum is a wild ride, said Ike. We don't want to pick a winner here. So they're they're trying to be platform agnostic, but it's being rolled out on Ethereum to begin with. Ah, uh,
2: okay. I mean, Ethereum is by no means... That's the thing that I think is kind of cool about Ethereum is that it's by no means less volatile or wild and crazy as Bitcoin. It's just like everybody's there and really positive about the crazy stuff that's going on. Like, Ethereum has had, what, one hard fork, it might have another.
3: It's had a few hard forks. They have one like, contentious hard fork.
2: They have one contentious hard fork. They might have another. They've got sharding going on, which is a word I can't even say without wanting to laugh. Uh,
3: they have they have at least like, two more hard forks planned in the future.
2: Yeah, it's you know Ethereum's just as wild, wild westy as Bitcoin is. It's just that it's really positive, and the things that the projects that people are working on, you can actually see. A little bit of results too and you know so that's that's why I, I think ethereum is kind of sexy right now i got i like Ethereum. Hola, bitcoin needs to get together rootstock needs to do something like all these people were calling out i hope if you listen to our show like it, you just become moved from within like internally motivated to go reach out to all these people and get them on our show so we can figure out what the hell they're doing like rootstock and and uh, who else in the Bitcoin, community? like Blockstream? Oh, when I heard about sidechains, I thought it was going to rule the world. And like, there's been what? Two companies?
3: I even like that. Root, stock actually sends us emails to our Bitcoin podcast email. But
2: yeah, they need to send us a representative to talk to you. That's what they need to
3: do. <laughs> For real. I haven't hit my dude up on Twitter forever.
1: Like I got blocked.
3: <laughs> well
2: um all right we got anything else on the docket cello
1: i just gotta tell the great people about uh equibit that's just about it all right this what's next
2: equibit? docket item is brought to you by equibit yeah
1: what is what's What's equibit uh equibit is building several apps that are decentralizing the securities industry now the securities industry is just like the banking industry it's filled with centralized intermediaries, they clear and settle transactions, they handle shareholder communications and other labor intensive work. Well, these expensive tasks can now be replaced with peer-to-peer technologies that bring the cost of performing this work down dramatically. Dramatically. Issuing companies, dramatically. Issuing companies, dealers, and investors with all the benefits significantly from cutting away this part of their overhead. So you don't have to deal with it anymore, man. For their main initiative, go to Equibit.org. That's E-Q-U-I-B-I-T.org and sign up for that newsletter. Boom. (laughs) Equibit.org.
0: Or, or, or.
1: There we go. There's the, there's the. I like it. And uh, shout out to Ken. Shout out to Dylan. Shout out to Aaron, the crochet obsessed lady behind Sweet Honey Crochet. .com. Shout out to all the fans. We're going to yeah. have
2: a a, uh, a new member of the community come in real soon. I hope you guys are excited. That's all I'm going to say. Uh-oh. She, it's she real was mysterious. A, she, was
1: a, she was a past guest of On ramping she, with D. That's she's been
2: on ramped by me, and she's going to be joining the community. It's going uh, to be good times. Looking forward to you guys getting chat chat with her. Anyways, enough about that. We're going to wrap it up, guys.
3: Yeah, join our Slack. Go to the com. Slack. There's a big Slack button on top. Click it. You can join us, talk to us. I'm there yeah, all day, show. every He's day.
1: Mad. If you're if you, inactive, I'm going to find you.
2: Yep. And we we get a nice pretty email that shows all the inactive users and uh and we're going to we it's really easy to find you. We so, put them
3: on dartboards. Red yep. plans, mm-hmm. like sinister plans.
2: Mm-hmm. Sinister's going to be a pretty badass in, uh, villain in this next X-Men movie. I hope they restart the Nobody franchise again, because I have no clue where that franchise is right now. But <laughs> You think it's gone? You think it's done? Nobody
1: I, think, cares. I think they're going to focus on like Deadpool for a while.
2: <laughs> a lot of people care, Corey. They make billions of dollars. Whatever.
1: It's too That's much. Like I don't I don't want to see like it's now it's gonna be like Justice League versus the Avengers and it's gonna be like ninety superheroes on the screen now and it's just like uh the
3: same dude, thing they did with the, the video games come man. on, man. just start throwing all kinds of characters at you, you don't even know, they make them up. You bad ones. <laughs> just bet. whatever. Who cares?
2: But you guys And then they'll have that.
3: sixteen more Logan movies.
2: Anyway, we thought uh, he died, Logan never dies. Hugh Jackman is literally dead now. We're going to be like 60 years old. (laughs) They're still bringing him back somehow.
1: Anyways. Listen, um, if Hawkeye doesn't die in the next Avengers film, I would be irate. He has no superpowers. (laughs) He has just really good aim with arrows, and he needs to die. How is that not
3: a superpower? Isn't that just a superpower? I mean, look at Jubilee. She makes fireworks with her hands. Who gives
1: a shit? But she's not in the movie, though. (laughs) She she would surely die if she was in this movie.
2: What's funny is, like, every movie that Jubilee is in, it she has, like, a three-second role. Like, it's like... Like, even in the last X-Men movie, what are they, like, walking in the mall, and Jubilee's like, Hey, guys, I'm Jubilee. And, like, that's it. Nobody There's no cares. no fireworks. <laughs> even There's the movie no show, anything. nobody
1: cares. It's just, like... Sorry, Asian Americans, and your lack of roles.
0: <laughs>
1: I think that... I think that Jubilee
2: was a brainchild of uh, Stanley himself, a and Stanley's that's the
3: reason.
2: Why... yeah, like Stanley contributed nothing to Marvel except for Jubilee.
3: Jubilee so is, is the is the shitty child drawing you have on your on your refrigerator. But you're you're kind of like, yeah, thanks for doing that, honey, and you put it up to make them feel better about themselves, but no one really likes it.
2: <laughs> and Stanley slaved over the Jubilee idea for months. <laughs> Just to pitch it in a board meeting. Like, I got it, guys. Uh, Asian-American teen going through angst. Firework hands. Sparklers. She's fireworks, guys. Sparklers. Straight. Just sparklers. Because she's a teen. Hopefully. She
3: she confuses the enemy with her shitty powers. (laughs) Look at that girl
1: over there. She's got sparklers coming out of her hands. What's Uh, that about? That must lead to something else. When's it going to happen? She'll save you some money. You don't need to buy any fireworks. Just hang out with Jubilee. (laughs) You'd be disappointed with sparklers.
2: (laughs) That's the only way she's useful to everyone is Independence Day or Chinese New Year. We're done here. Uh, Okay. Well, shout out to Zoe Saldana and uh, Carrie Hilson and uh viola davis as well
3: do you guys have anybody you want to shout out to shout out to my wife because i'm married son
1: shout out to my wife and shout out to monica bellucci and oh shout out to sierra i hope your career bounces back nice (laughs) me too sierra's a sierra's a good lady so
2: all right we'll uh play
0: the outro